Pastor Xavier Reese and following the narrow path. Listen, don't slow down to look at the billboards and don't get so caught up with the pretty little neighborhoods and don't sit on the side making mud pies and throw them to the people running. Run! Move forward! Once I have fixed my eyes on Jesus so as not to be mesmerized or enslaved by the past, then I can have my mind clear, sound, and sensitive to the things He has for me. Then I can catch Him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A gold medalist isn't a newbie to their sport. No, gold medals are the result of years and years of practice and dedication. Well, today, Pastor Xavier reminds us, if you want to be good at something, you've got to keep at it. That's also the premise behind today's simple truth drawn from the book of Philippians, titled, Growing Towards Christlikeness. Let's listen. Paul's determined purpose in life was to grow and mature in Christ Jesus in order to be conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, this is not something that comes natural as our natural desire of our sin nature. But tragically, neither is it guaranteed automatically by our new nature. We must be diligent to pursue this, as we'll see. Notice first, Paul declares that he had not yet reached final maturity in this life. There's the key. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Don't disconnect this verse from the preceding. There's a connection. Paul has just told the Philippians that his motive for being found in Christ, remember he said that in verse 9, in the righteousness of Christ, was that he might know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, here and now. This is exactly what Paul had not already laid hold of and appropriated to a completed state. In other words, this was his goal, and this was an ongoing process through life. He had not attained it once and for all as a completed act, though he had experienced and appropriated them in a continuous degree to the present day due to the fact that it is an ongoing process he had not finalized that as a completed action okay you buy a car you put a down payment it's in your name you're making payments every month people say is that your car oh yeah that's my car but the bank owns it now you're you're grabbing a hold of it a month at a time And every month, you, you, you grab a little more. When you make the final payment, you've obtained the car. This is what he's talking about. Regardless of where we are in life, there is always room to grow in maturity. That's what he's talking about. He has to grow, mature. It's a process. It began in Acts 9. Paul had continued in the process, and he labored nine years, remember? Uh, seven or nine years up in Tarsus as he did the work of the Lord. He later on came to Antioch, was there for a year with the churches. Then he went on a three missionary journeys. All of those things were a process, all of them, always moving on. That it's an ongoing process. There is no ideal plateau out there. 
as a young Christian, at first I said, man, there must be something out there. You know, you walk 20, 30 years, you know, boom, cruise control. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, the warfare gets harder. The more you become like Christ, the greater the attack. The more God pours into you, the more he requires of you. This is the perspective regarding spiritual maturity. This is the foundation. Now notice, secondly, the principles to accomplish spiritual maturity. These are the how-tos. These are the nuts and bolts. First, in verse 13, the apostle Paul recognized that as long as he was alive in this physical body, he had not apprehended all God had for him. Now he's dealt with spiritual maturity. Now he's dealing with the things that God has for him. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul is cutting off any thought or idea that he or any other person accomplished all in life, literally laid hold of. The very first of Luther's 95 Theses, his famous 95 Theses at Wittenberg, was this, the first one. The whole Christian life is a continuous repentance. That's good. I've told you often that I live as your pastor an ongoing life of repentance. That's what Luther said. Every day. That's why God has given us 1 John 2, 1, that we have an advocate, a lawyer for the defense to make intercession for us. We blow it. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the price, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul did one thing. Mark that well. But it is a threefold process. The first step being forgetting those things which are behind, focusing on his attitude. This is foundational, okay? He's making it applicable to the spirit. Paul is using the metaphor of a runner in these verses to describe the Christian race. The primary context is referring to the forgetting all that God had done in him and through him so as not to be caught up in them so that he would not miss what God had for the present or for the future ahead. In other words, don't be so caught up applauding yourself and patting yourself on the back as you're telling somebody and your bus goes by and you miss it. The best day of my life is today. Whether I find myself in perfect health or the worst health of my life. Today is the best day of my life because it's the next day of my Christian experience. It's the next step towards maturity. It's a step closer to Christ. It's the next work that God has for me. Notice the second step was reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Focusing on what? His actions. If the attitude's correct, now the actions will be correct. The Apostle Paul again continues his metaphor of the race by the phrase reaching forward, which describes a runner stretching out towards the finish line with his eyes fastened and his body thrust forward to reach the end. We've all seen it at the Olympic Games, the different athletic competitions. That runner's running and he sees it and he's running the win. Notice the Apostle knew that the only way he could win the race that he was running was to go forward, looking to the finish line. It is a constant warfare that I have to fight against, for it wants to distract me from reaching forward to the things ahead that God has for me. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Paul the Apostle speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 24, he says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord to testify 
to the gospel of the grace of God. That was his goal. That, that was his desire. What happened is too many people are running the race and they're going, oh, look, look, look at that. Wow, that's a neat billboard, man. Wow. And they're getting all distracted. You know why they put blinders on horses? <laughs> Run the race. You can't win unless you're looking forward. Notice the third step. The third step was that he pressed towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Focusing on what? His commitment, attitude, actions, commitment. Commitment synonymous with perseverance. Stick to itness. That's a good word. Stick to itness. <laughs> Hanging in there. I remember competing in high school and university level gymnastics and, you know, you go through 10, 15 routines a day, whatever it is, and, you know, you got your hands tore up and now you just pack them with chalk. You get back up there. And you sacrifice. You do all this because you've got that corruptible crown. You're running. You're in there working out. You're not worried about anything. You're concentrating right now and you're going around. And then you get done. Boom. And you're up there in front. People say, oh, how can you do in front of all You just see that apparatus and that's it. It's you and it and nothing else. I don't hear anything. I'm there to win. That's the race. Notice the apostle continues his imagery of a race by the word goal, which comes from the word to gaze at, as in the chariot races, in order to not deviate from one's course. Why? It would be fatal. You guys ever see Ben-Hur? You want to make sure you stay in your lane, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's worse than driving the San Bernardino Freeway. This is the course. God has a lane for you. Don't be going, wow, that's a good-looking lane. You Hey, can I run in your... Listen, my course, you might think I'm a wimp. You might be able to run my course perfectly. Get done with it fast. But my course will not show you what a creep you are and how weak you are. Your custom-made course will show you exactly who you are and what you need. God is so good to us, man. We're all different. I can experience something and devastate me. To you, set you back a day, you'll be on your way. We're all different. Literally, to run along the marked out course. Notice the phrase, press towards. It's the same as in verse 12, press on. To pursue or bear down upon the direction of the goal. The goal and price, I don't believe, speaks of our reward for the works we do for Christ, as Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Now, many people point at this right here. I don't believe he's talking about reward, okay? The goal and price is also not laying hold of the works prepared for us, though they are the vehicle. He's talked about works, and we want to grab them, but they are the vehicle to press us to maturity. Do you think God is interested in works? Because he can't do the work? He's interested that we walk in the works or the works work in us. That's what he's interested in. The goal and the price speaks here and now as the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, which is to be what? Be more like Christ from day to day, from glory to glory, change into his image. That's what the goal, that's what the price is. And what will it culminate? In the physical resurrection. Same chapter, 
verse 10 and 11. There's the price and the goal to be more like Christ every day. The past accomplishments are not the only thing that can hinder us from pressing forward, but also the past failures. Be they events, hurts, unforgiveness, or disappointments, which cause bitterness, resentment, and discouragement, which are sin to each of us because they drag us down as a dead corpse, unable to run the race. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, 12 through 17 tells us that we are to have our eyes on Jesus, to lay aside that weight of sin so easily besets us, that we may run the race to win. We have this whole cloud of witnesses before us, the men of faith in chapter 11, who ran that race bravely, courageously, not considering their life. And they're all looking on, see how we're going to run. Once I have fixed my eyes on Jesus so as not to be mesmerized, or enslaved by the past, then I can have my mind clear, sound, and sensitive to the things he has for me. Then I can catch him. But if I'm distracted, you know, here you are, you run down that race, and you see another billboard, you go, wow, wow, let's back up a little bit. Oh, that's a good one. No, no, no. Listen, don't slow down to look at the billboards, and don't get so caught up with the pretty little neighborhoods, and don't sit on the side making mud pies and throw them to the people running. Uh, Run. Move forward. The believer is to be captivated all the days of his life with the upper call of God in Christ Jesus, which is to be more like him, as I said, from glory to glory in 2 Corinthians 3.18, by the Spirit of God. The things that we've seen are physical, tangible, temporal. The things that we don't see are eternal. So we don't lose heart. Because we know the more valuable are those things we cannot see. Very important. The nature is spiritual and divine, not human accomplishments. By the word, upward. Okay? It's not a natural life. It's a supernatural life. The urgency is that I have been called by God. I did not call myself. You did not call yourself. God called us. None of us call ourselves out of sin. <laughs> I did not call myself to repent. God called me. The potential accomplishment is in Christ and in Christ alone. Nowhere else. Don't miss these three things. Very important that he gives in these verses. These are the principles to accomplish spiritual maturity. These are the nuts and bolts. This is how to do it. Now notice thirdly. He finishes off with the person's needing spiritual maturity. Here he makes it real practical. Verses 15 and 16. And Paul, by way of exhortation here, declares that every believer needs ongoing spiritual maturity. He includes everybody. Notice first in verse 15. The apostle Paul first addresses the believer who is mature. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. The word mature means full-grown in contrast to childish Ignorance. He is referring to relative perfection and spiritual maturity that is ongoing as a process, opposed to the absolute perfection which he denied in verse 12. So he's not contradicting what he stated. He's making a contrast and opposition. Okay? He knew there were many who were progressing in the Philippian church, but he equally knew that there were some who were not. 
and he probably knew some very specific and had some in mind. But he knew there were others that he didn't know because that's the nature of man. It always is. Paul indicates that unless this mind, what mind? The mind of verse 12 through 14 is daily lived out, maturity will stand still. If you do not live out this mind on a daily basis, your spiritual maturity will stand still and you most likely will miss some of the things God has for you. Because if you walked in the things, they would press you towards maturity. Mommies, he'll do it to your babies. He'll do it through your husband. He'll do it through the trials that they will bring upon you. Husbands and wives, God will use each of you. And when he feels you're strong enough, then he gives you some sandpaper children. And he gets you nice and smooth. They were to keep thinking this ongoing. This is the tense in the Greek. The one thing had a threefold process. Three steps. But it's one thing. Notice secondly, the apostle addressed next the believer who thinks there is another way or that they have arrived. Paul says there will be those who will not agree on all he has said. Paul says also that there will be some who will try to ignore the scriptures thinking they are the exception. That's the next step. Well, you know, that's good he's touching that. I wish Mary was here. Guess what? Mary's not here. You are. God must know better. Don't we say, oh, man, if they could have been here, this was perfect for them. But you're the one that heard it. Paul says that if they are sincere in seeking God, this is good, listen, he will reveal the truth of his word. Paul says, you know, I know there's some of you guys out there, but you know what? I give you the benefit of the doubt. I know you've been born again. You're spiritual teenagers. But I trust that God is able to reach you if you're really sincere in seeking him. That's good, see? He trusts God to do the work. And if you're sincere and you seek the scriptures, God will nail you. Sometimes people come and say, you know, did, did my friends come and talk to you about me? I, I, the Holy Spirit nails you. He deals with you. If you come with an open heart, man, he'll reveal your heart to you. Now, you're not going to like it, but he'll reveal it to you. Jesus said that God's word verifies his will and his will, his word, and his word is truth. John 17, 17. Sanctifying through thy word, thy word is truth. Set him aside. The word of truth will set you free. It will show you exactly who you are and where you're at in the race. Very, very important. And notice thirdly here, the apostle addresses the responsibility of every member to walk in the maturity of their age. Verse 16. Spiritual maturity should always mark the believer in proportion to age to the degree we have already attained. If you're three years old, hey, live up to it. If you're 20, live up to it. Growth, development, maturity. But also spiritual maturity always has this principle. Notice he says that. Let us walk in the same mind. Let us be of the same mind. And the word rule there is principle. 
Spiritual maturity will continue due to the fact that we have this mind, that we understand this principle. The word walk, as you know, means to march together and file in the same direction to line up. We're all lined up in the same direction, heaven, and we're all running the race. But we're not all next to each other, are we? Some of us have entered the race two years ago. Some 20, some 30, some 40. Some of you have been walking with the Lord 50 years. And we're all at different levels, but we're all going forward. We're lined up with the straight gate and the narrow way. If you're on a broad road, you're probably in the wrong race, man. It's straight and narrow. This is the ruling principle for life in the spirit to be transformed into Christ-likeness. There is no other formula, people. What a joy it is when a family is gathered together and you see infants, small children, young adults, adults, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. And the kids have an example of the different levels of life, of growth, development, and maturity. And so it's much easier for them to walk within that because they have an example and instruction. That's why much of our society is so decayed and perverted today because there is no more family models and the connection, the relationship, and the steps. We don't even have fathers sticking around, let alone uncles or grandparents or anything else. The same in the family. We are a family. Are you a child? We will be patient and caring with you. But you'll move on. Are you a young adult? We will exhort you, teach you, and trust responsibility to you. Are you an adult? You have great responsibility. And we know you're not perfect. Neither are we. What an exciting thing to look around and see that. But we're also here as a family to discipline. A family doesn't just ignore a rebellious child. You know, if a child is five years old, he's sitting at the Thanksgiving table and he reaches for his milk and he drops it. Everybody understands. They all respond differently. Brothers and sisters, oh, Mikey, I knew you were going to do that. And then mom says, oh, it's okay, precious, don't worry about it. And dad goes, ah. And then grandma and grandpa says, you used to do that too. And he points to his son. <laughs> I love it. All of that tempers everything. The child understands, grows, matures, moves on. He's not crushed. Paul the apostle, a master teacher by the Spirit of God. This is the personal need for everybody to grow in spiritual maturity. And so this is how we accomplish spiritual maturity towards Christ-likeness, by having the perspective of spiritual maturity, by obeying the principles that ensure spiritual maturity, and by recognizing that all need to grow in spiritual maturity. Real simple. But your heart has to be open to the work of the Spirit of God. And you must deny yourself. You're running to win. Don't get caught up with the billboards. Don't be enticed by the people going, hey, come here. 
Don't be looking backwards. Throw yourself across that line. Go for it. Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to true victory, running to win in Jesus. And you can request a CD copy of today's message, Growing Towards Christlikeness, for only $4. And by the way, this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Growing Towards Christlikeness, or simply mention today's date. Make your request by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us monitor this outreach in your area. Is it really possible to live in victory? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 